Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Tech Vibe Radio. It is July. It's like summer. Oh, my goodness, Audrey. It's gone by so quick. Right, but you had this great trip. I did. To still... Denmark that Monica on our team led. I know. And, you know, the the whole thing about sustainability, mm-hmm. I think it it accelerated your thinking, right? Did. Monica, I know it did. So you yeah. took a bunch of people locally to do some benchmarking. We did. You went to Denmark. Went to Denmark. You went to Malmo? Went to, went to Malmo, Sweden. We were in Copenhagen in Denmark and Malmo in Sweden. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And so what, when it, you know, we talk a lot about sustainability, right? Yeah. There's lots of, in the, and we're not going to get political on no, it. We're just no. really just going to talk about exactly. what kinds of things were working in that environment in a country that exactly. became part of a culture. Right. And so yeah. what are the things that, that surprised you Yeah, and are things that probably we could, we could implement it? Yeah. I mean, there's so many things, but one of the things that, that really, I think stuck out to me and I just thought it was interesting on so many different levels was, was uh, basically rooftops and, and basically uh, rooftop gardens and, planting on a rooftop mm-hmm. um so not too heavy not too heavy so here's here's the, here's the idea so um the vikings like literally when they built dwellings they put sod on the roofs because it kept it warm in the winter and cool in the summer because it creates a microclimate on top of that roof where that grass evaporates uh moisture and makes really? cool coolness in the summer so and heat in the winter so it's a, it's a smart smart roofing material well you know 500 years later they're discovering that you know we've got lots of problems in the world with runoff water. So Copenhagen and uh, actually in Malmo, Sweden, lots of problems with, with runoff water with combined sewers, just like here in Allegheny County, where they're installing lots of roof gardens as a way to absorb water, slow it down, um, and not put as much water into the, the storm sewers. But what I think is really cool is it's part of their culture. They really enjoy having people being engaged with nature, right? So when you do these roof these rooftop gardens, it creates another instance where you can be in nature, which I think is just so important. So you're at the office, but you have a garden. Like, you can see out the window and see a garden. And or, what kind of gardens or, do they have? So traditionally, they're they're done with light grasses and sedums because weight is a very big concern. Right, I was going to say. As far as that goes and the way you build them. So weight, you got to keep it. And so they're actually developing different types of strata and technologies to plant. So you can put different types of things up there. So they're doing combinations now of solar panels with types of grasses that grow in the shade. So you put them underneath the solar panels, and then you put different types of grass in front of the solar panels. And is that pervasive on all buildings there? I don't think all buildings, but as they're starting to build new stuff, you're seeing it in lots of new developments. So what else did you see, like, in terms of water? Did you see some interesting things yeah, in terms so, of water and so if reuse? So as water makes it past the, the rooftop gardens, as you're going to, because they're experiencing what they're calling 200-year storms there quite frequently. Mm. Um, so they're getting, there's some parts of town, um, especially um, when we were in Malmo, basically talking about uh, chunks of the uh, different districts of the city flooding. Lots of water, like, like you know, coming into people's homes, flooding out, flooding out the first floors of people's homes. So they actually went and started doing, like, aqueducts. 
like around these different developments to actually drain the water, like just building these these simple channels. And then that water then flows into a rain garden, which is a garden that sucks up the water. And guess what? It creates another park in instance to be part of nature. So you'd see these beautiful parks with trees and shrubbery, and then the water would flow into these ponds that would be in there. Well, that's doable for us. I, very doable. Very and doable. And so they believe, so there's reuse, right? There's that's re- the reuse and the yeah. repurposing. What about a manufacturing? Exactly. Did you have a chance? To see any manufacturing there? So we didn't see manufacturing, you know, per, per se. What we did see being manufactured was actually in Nordhaven, um, the North Harbor of Copenhagen, was them actually building the harbor out. So as they're building metros, their, their subway, they're taking that fill under the ground and building out to, into to the like harbor. To, stop erosion? It's, it's actually more than that. It's to actually build places for people to live. Because wow. the population is so growing. Because right. their population is right. growing. And as they're building out into these new spaces, they're putting in things like the green roofs. And, and then you were also yeah. talking, what I found interesting is that as opposed to the U.S., you're seeing people were used to having less space in their homes. Definitely. I mean, from what I could tell from the, the, from the four and a half days that we were there and, and touring different uh, developments they're building for housing. I mean, everything. It's not like you're buying a giant house there. You're buying an apartment or actually you're renting an apartment. I think more people rent than buy apartments. Oh, wow. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know the, the exact numbers on it, but what you notice is people live in a, in a much smaller, more compact space. But within that space, access to the edges, as they call it, is very important. So even though you're living in a dense you know, building, mm-hmm. there's always access to some kind of nature and outdoors. But that's one of the things that our mayor, Bill Petito, has mm-hmm. talked about trying to have one park per... Yeah, it, great point, yeah. You know, many, I don't want to say like per block, a few but I know we had, to get right. to a park or something to that right. effect. That there will always be yeah. a park. Yeah, always be a park. And that's what you would say. Actually, what was really interesting, so just in, along the harbor in Copenhagen, they created like these, I would call them pop-up parks almost. Like you weren't expecting them. Like you're on a sidewalk and all of a sudden there's two little trampoline pits and some like monkey bars. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's similar. So for the first time in 40 years, I wrote a really cool slide. When I was at the Blocks Hub, outside the Blocks Hub was this giant set of slopes with steel slides and these cool trampoline pits. And I'm an adult here. I'm like, I'm going on these slides. I would go on every, it too. Every, everybody in the tour ran. And you know what? For five minutes, you got this charge of energy because you, so you ran up the hill. Fun. You slid down the slide. And but that's just like they, they create instances of people to be engaged and to, to use their bodies That's really and interesting. things now, like Frick that. Now, Frick Park has... The Blue Slide. Yeah, yeah they have famous, that. And then they also slide. have, like, little spaces where you can work out on. But exactly. But it's not exactly what but this is like, yeah, about. So we were walking... It's to, like impromptu. It's like, it's like impromptu stuff. They have this uh, walkway they made uh, along the harbor that people use to access the water, whether you're kayaking or swimming. And along there, there's these weird set of orange bars. And it was, it was like a workout center. Like, And there's people climbing all over them just doing stuff. And... So people really seem to value, you know, being active and and, and getting out there. And and plus, they wanted people to interact with the water. So the harbor now is clean there, much like Pittsburgh, how our rivers Mm -hmm. are becoming more clean and people are are using the waterfronts. They're using the waterfronts, too. They built this massive, massive boardwalk that has swimming pools in it. So you're actually using the harbor as your pool with like a wooden deck around it. And we actually saw they have the ability for people to to play, uh, was it kayak uh, basketball? So you're in a kayak with a ball. Paddling over to the That's goal. So much fun. Things like that are happening like all over the place. And I, I believe the kayak rentals and there are, are free there. we could do with that. Totally. Totally. That's so, really awesome. A lot, lot going on there. It gave, I think, everybody who went on the trip a lot of inspiration. So, I mean, places like Eaton went with us, Rockwell, the University of Pittsburgh, 
city of Pittsburgh went with us as right. well, too. So people that were really taking a lot of notes and saying, how oh, there's some things here that could really we could do. That we could Those do. don't sound that complex. They're not, they're not huge, super expensive right. things. It's just kind of thinking things through a little bit. So mm-hmm. it definitely made me feel like I should become a city planner. <laughs> it was so much Should fun everyone, thinking about those I things. love that. Yeah, just stuff. I wanted so to nerd out on that forever. I was like, so much fun. And uh, we hope we, we do more of these types of benchmarking yes, trips will. in the future. And we bring back lots of positive stuff. That's so, really great. Yeah, fun, fun stuff. So we got a great show in front of us, Audrey. I can't wait for tonight's show because who do we have stopping by tonight? Oh, my God. And I can't believe it's already this time of year. I don't know how this happened, but we have SDLC partners and the Maddox stopping by. They're partnering up, mm-hmm. work, working together, which I think is just a ton of fun. We have uh, Ellen Freeman stopping by. The right. Ellen Freeman she of all things immigration. talk about immigration reform. I know. Or immigration. Exactly. And, of course, we have Pam Tracy from Pyatt Sotheby's stopping by. If you're moving to Pittsburgh, you got to find a place to live, right? Yeah. But it's more than that. I mean, I, I can you imagine, like, if you're showing people from around the world what's going on in Pittsburgh home-wise, they're probably asking you questions about, like, where they can go polka dancing and stuff like that, right? <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, they could be there. Where they can go play some kayak basketball. we got to go to Copenhagen I love for that. the kayak <laughs> basketball. Yeah. I think it'd be kind of fun, too. So, anyhow, there's a lot of, lot, lot of Tech Vibe Radio coming your way. This is Jonathan Kirsten. <laughs> Oh, you're funny. And last time I checked out, you're Audrey Russo, right? <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> we'll be right back after this quick break. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. Welcome back to Tech Vibe Radio. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Audrey, you know, our ecosystem here in Pittsburgh, there's so many pieces that play into it, and it's always exciting to pull in these different pieces because it's not just the tech company. No, it's, it's an important piece. Yeah, it's, it's like an... if you come to the city to work for a tech company, you got to live somewhere you got to plug into the community. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, one person here to talk about that. And I'm really excited to talk to Pam Tracy from Pyatt Sotheby's. And this is what they do day in and day out. So, Pam, okay. welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. So Thanks glad, for having me. So glad to have you here. So, are you noticing a, an uptick of people coming to Pittsburgh because they're getting jobs in the tech industry and they got to settle in and buy a house and figure the whole thing out in Pittsburgh? Well, my two most recent that I'm working with right now are, yes. Uh, They're both coming in, and my two listings that I have, unfortunately, one's going out, and the other one has been out for a while, but kept the property as an investment and is just, they're at that stage of life where they want to cash out, not that it's not a great opportunity in Pittsburgh. Gotcha. Gotcha. Wow. So what are you seeing when you come in and talk about the kinds of ways that you really help these um, people who are looking for, you know, homes and moving into into our city? So I've been in the industry for 10 years, a little over 10 years, and I've moved to a couple different uh, brokerages and was super excited when Millcraft Industries, which is now Millcraft Ideas, decided to take their real estate piece and expand it. They wanted to align with a luxury brand. And so they went to Sotheby's and we actually you don't had get to... more luxury than that. right? <laughs> and we had to go all the way to the UK to get permission because we are a much smaller size market. Right. But they so you were... went back to the mothership. Like, yes. Look, we back... want to do this. And they're like, we don't know. Let us figure it out. But they were so impressed. And and I have to say, too, Lucas Pyatt, our president and CEO, Mm -hmm. he is a visionary. Mm -hmm. And he also has persistence and determination as 
his father does as well. And so once he gets something into his mind, he's mm-hmm. really great about yeah. moving forward. He gets and focused and starts making things happen, right? He does. You also get a chance to hear on the front line what people think as they're moving into town. Right. And what kinds of things do you hear? I'm hearing that people are excited. People like it. They like the friendliness. Uh, While it isn't always easy to travel around the city because of bridges and tunnels tunnels and things. Fun stuff. They're not as fearful of them as as us homegrown people. Really, that's pretty funny. They, (laughs) They are, you know. They're they're fine with it. I think that they would like uh, more public transportation options right. that we see. We hear that a lot. We do, and and I think that we're going to continue to hear that until mm-hmm. we can make some strides in that area. But overall, I have people who want to live in the city. I have people. Are you who, seeing a trend for that? I it's. It's half and half. Is it? It really is. I have my one buyer who we're going to make an offer as soon as I leave here in the city. And another person coming in wants to be in the country but close to the city. So they're moving to Westmoreland County, which before I moved downtown, Westmoreland County was kind of out of my reach. Right. But hmm. now I love living in the city. It's been almost four years, and it, being centrally located has really allowed me to be one of those people that travels all over. Very cool. Wow, that's interesting. So by being in the city, you now can feel easily more compelled to travel all over. Exactly. So tell us how you work with a with a client. So they, obviously they're coming in, they're buying a home. You got to help them figure out the best part of town to be in, based on what their needs are and everything like that. What else are they looking for? I'm sure they're kind of leaning on you for a lot more than that sometimes too. I feel like maybe you're their support line in many ways that they're you know because they're inter- they're interacting with you a lot and they know that you know the area, so they're probably trying to learn more about how to get plugged into other things that are of interest to them. You know, on top of just you know, buying a home? Right. So it was very interesting because at the beginning of the year, the end of last year, I was working with a couple that were coming in from Austin. And so they gave me their criteria and they walkability was pretty big for them. And we were talking about some neighborhoods, suburban neighborhoods that would be walkable. And they actually were looking at renting as opposed to Buying. And I work with a lot of people that are moving in that are renting first to see if... Got to test if, the waters, right? Exactly. and They don't know where they want to live anyway. Right. And I've relocated. We lived in New Jersey. We lived in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I always ended up renting before buying because I just wanted to make sure one, one place we actually moved 1.2 miles down the road because it was a different... Whole other vibe, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. so I get that, and because I have relocated, uh, I know a lot about what they're going through emotionally because it's huge. And so it was interesting because they gave me their criteria. I started a property search for them, and the more I talked to them, I really, the wife was going to be working downtown. And the husband was going to be traveling. He, he'd be driving all over the area. And the more and more we talked, we moved from a single-family house, which they thought would be a nice idea, to an apartment 
Reason being, they had no idea what it was like to deal with for snow. And, <laughs> and raking leaves and all that kind of fun uh, stuff, right? <laughs> and the wife was going to be here on her own quite a bit. And from one building, I could say, this is going to be the easiest commute for you. You can walk when it's beautiful. But look at that. Less than one block away, you can get on the T. And guess what? Your T-stop is in your building. There you go. <laughs> so for them, not being used to the winters and not knowing what to expect, right. it was great. See, this is so awesome to me because this is the difference between success and failure. If someone's staying in Pittsburgh, we, we, we attract this talent. doesn't mean they're going to stay. But if they got a place where they're comfortable, they got a place where they're feeling like they're plugged in, I think that only helps their chances of right. staying here in Pittsburgh. So you're responsible there, Pam. Well, <laughs> Keep it going. Keep it going. So what Keep do up you the good tell work. people yeah. when they come to Pittsburgh? Because like, you're you're like the salesperson for us. I am Visit Pittsburgh. There I you go. I am Pittsburgh's <laughs> biggest Uh-oh, better not tell Visit Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am the biggest cheerleader for Pittsburgh because I talk to them about the friendliness, the fact that we have... You know, national sports, our cultural district, we're building a music scene. We have the best restaurants now. We have great museums. We've got so much to offer and at an extremely affordable price. Uh, When I look at... Prices are going up, right? Prices are going up. Yes, they are. Certain neighborhoods saw an 11% appreciation rate over last year. I believe it. I it's, might be one of those neighborhoods, I think. I know. It's crazy. We have to get together. I we know. keep talking about it. Oh, right. One of these days, it's going to happen. Yes. I'm going to downsize, and it's going to be beautiful. That's all I can say. <laughs> Downsizing is beautiful. <laughs> it De- is. It definitely oh my gosh. is. So if people want to know more about you and your services, where, where can they find you? A website? Yes. They can go to Pyatt Sotheby's International Realty, uh, PyattSir.com, mm-hmm. and look up Pam Tracy. And find me. I'd be happy to talk to them about yeah. buying, selling, downsizing, upsizing. Anything, right? Anything. Anything. Absolutely. And I'm telling Visit Pittsburgh you're getting a desk there. <laughs> because you are definitely on the front yeah. lines of really showing people what Pittsburgh is all about. And make them feel at home while they're getting thank home. Thank you for what you so. do. Ah, well, thank you for giving me this opportunity absolutely. to be here and share my love for Pittsburgh. Very much so, Pam. Thanks for hanging out with us. Pleasure to have you here talking about Pittsburgh. I'm I'm more charged about Pittsburgh right now, Audrey. Thank what can you. I say? Oh, Anyhow, thank you. We're taking a quick break. We're coming back with a lot more Tech Vibe Radio. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Audrey, the last time I checked, we're from the Pittsburgh Tech Council. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. So you know what, Audrey? It seems like we've had a lot of conversations around immigration. Yeah, because immigration radio. matters. It's, That's just the bottom line. It matters so much. Because it matters. Much. And, I know. And when we, when one time I um, facilitated uh, a conversation with Ellen a couple of months ago, yeah. and there was something that she said. This is okay. Ellen, who we're going to introduce. Ellen in a Freeman, absolutely. And she, she said something that just really struck me. So I can't wait okay. to have a conversation. That's with why her she's about here, it. exactly. Right. And so, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks it's, for having me. It's great to have you on the show, and it's great to sort of catch up with you. I mean, just a quick background in terms of what you're up to right now. Why don't you just tell everyone? Um, So I've done something I've never done in my life. And on March 1, opened my own law firm. And um, it's a startup. It's Ellen Freeman Immigration Law Group. It's me and my two paralegals. 
who followed me now several times, and we're very excited to welcome all of our clients and start providing immigration services and experiment and go digital and um, do as much as any startup tries, but at the same time bring 20 years of experience and be able to provide excellent immigration services. We're so pumped for it. We think it's so cool that you, you hang in your own shingle. Well, now yeah. she knows what it's like to yeah. be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Exactly. And, put, put those um, FedEx labels on the envelopes, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, I've learned to do stuff I've never had to do in my life. I've relied on clerical support and wonderful secretaries, and now I've learned to do FedEx labels and <laughs> Um, collate the exhibits and, you know, right. go digital and scan everything and use new programs. And, you know, I, I've been very fortunate to use some of the members of the tech council and companies who provide tech services. Yeah, you need and, it. You just great. need it, right? Um, yeah. And um, I've learned that it's really easy to start a company in the United States. And in people many ways. are very friendly. I really found that I was embraced by the community and embraced oh, by people. That's so great. Love hearing that. That's yeah. cool. Me that people that Pittsburgh is really great. And I'm doing something different. I um, started a website. It's Ellen, uh, freemanimmigration.com. Um, and on Freeman Immigration, I decided that I really love Pittsburgh. So I'm going to have um, a separate tab dedicated Welcome to Pittsburgh. There you go. Oh, I like great. it. I'm going to not only feature all the companies like the Tech Council and what right. in Pittsburgh because people coming here and moving here want to know um, you know, what resources are in Pittsburgh and what organizations they can join or rely upon. But I decided I'm going to feature a local artist. So I hired a local artist to do graphics for nice. me. Oh, and about like, um, Pittsburgh and about moving and about immigration. And I also want, you know, I put the first thing I did is the Visit Pittsburgh Video clip was they move up the chair. Exactly right. Uh, okay. Because there I know that you. So like, you're using all the resources to help strengthen your company. That's great. But I also want Pittsburgh people to realize why Pittsburgh and why right. they should come here and why we need there to you go. welcome Perfect. more immigrants. That's pretty here. awesome. I love it. I love it. Good for you. Let's talk about immigration. Well, so, yeah. Happening? So, I mean, yeah. one of the things that struck me in one of the conversations, and, I, and it's really resonated with me, is that, yes... The process for immigration reform, particularly for those mm -hmm. people who are highly educated, mm -hmm. has become really complex, and it depends mm -hmm. on what country you come from, and mm -hmm. there's lots of processes through it, but it's not insurmountable. And you had said something that collectively at Pittsburgh, we tend to be a little bit provincial in terms of taking a risk and really going out there, and we will complain about not having the right talent. But then taking on the risk, quote unquote, of bringing in someone who's foreign born is much more localized to us. It seems like we have like this right. aura. Uh, hey, thanks for actually bringing it up because I, w I was hoping. And I've thought about that a lot yeah. since you said it. I find it. You know, so after our presentation, which we did in early uh, March, I think March right. 8th, mm -hmm. Allegheny Conference started contacting me and say, well, we have all these great students, graduates of, for example, right. Katz Business School, and mm -hmm. they're looking for a job. And do you have any resources? And I'm thinking, oh, I know the head of science for this company that exactly matches the person background. She happens to have also a PhD in science. And I sent her resume to somebody I knew at the company and get the response back. We don't hire foreign nationals. We don't sponsor foreign nationals. And it's one of the largest 
Pittsburgh companies, and at some point it actually was foreign-owned, and I used to represent it maybe 15 years ago. And I was almost in shock. And what I wanted to do, and I think as a follow-up to a couple of the tech council presentations that we've done in February and in March of this year Mm -hmm. year on um, explaining the business immigration and making it more... um, simplified taking the mystery out of it taking the mystery and just saying it's abc i think that we need to do collectively a series of seminars like free seminars to educate the community and say come in and i'll teach you how to assess the case what visas are available so that you don't need to dial an immigration lawyer and pay money every time you see somebody's resume who requires sponsorship how about i'll we create a manual and give you a manual, which is pretty basic, and say, well, this is the, these are the visas. There are some options that are very easily available. Yes, there, it's difficult to hire somebody who was born in India or China because the green card options for them. Right, 7% of their billion, uh, billion so, people. Right, like it really like, <laughs> takes a long time. Um, in fact, just last week, there was another immigration conference, and the person from the United States Department of State, Charlie Oppenheimer, who every month decides what visa numbers are available and which green cards and how many green cards will be given next month, has estimated that the wait for Indian nationals whose position require only a bachelor's degree, not advanced degree, not the master's degree, is 50 years. As of today, yeah, 50, it's years. 50 years. Oh 50. But if it's a Ph.D.? Is if it's a PhD, there is there are sometimes you know different options, and they can go through the priority workers category. But this category, the priority workers, has been now uh, back what's called backlog. There are no green cards available for the last That's year. Of percentage allocation, right? and right, and and sometimes this allocation doesn't even make sense because we now have the preference category, which is the highest one, the first one for outstanding researchers and professors. Delayed for all countries, backlogged for all countries. I have a professor who was born in Egypt, not in any of those countries, and we can't proceed. And why with is his that backlogged? Because they recalculated the numbers wrong, and sort of they used to be a lower demand for the lowest level categories, like the fourth and the fifth. Uh, you know, um, workers that don't require. Um, Professional degrees like mm-hmm. nannies, for example, that's like the fourth category or uh, cooks in a restaurant sometimes or the category for the investors, which is EB-5. And they're so oversubscribed oh, that there the is EB-5. no spillover numbers. Right, right, there right. were spillover numbers that were going back up and they're not going back up the chain. And so now they're limited to only 22,500 numbers a year. So now it's backlogged for everybody. So, but what I want to do is really to try to sit with the HR professionals and recruiters. Recruiters are really the first guard that gets the resumes at the company mm-hmm. and like educate them what are the visa categories that are available. Let's say we don't need to file H1B visa for everybody. Mm-hmm. We don't. There could be other levels of getting right, talent we, in, we right? We can start the green card for somebody. Like let's just face it, the green card nowadays basically costs as much as an H1B visa where H1B visa was an extension. Why do we need to file H-1B and play in the lottery and take up numbers that need to go to people who were born in India and China? And let's try this process. And if they try it early enough, that graduates who graduated our universities and have up to three years to work in the United States will be able to stay here. Hmm. And at least yeah. let's use, you know, utilize their skills for three years because 
graduates starting to like Pittsburgh. They live in Squirrel Hill. They want, to, exactly. they yeah. want, they want to, stay. to stay. Right. And we are like really one of the coolest markets. And we want to keep so them. Much. So it's like, right. come on. Right. And it's really a great place to be. And, you know, it really helps our community because, oh, so the, you much. know, there are different models of immigration integration. The Canada model is called the salad bowl and ours is called the melting pot. <laughs> the salad, the bowl. salad bowl versus yeah. the melting pot. Right. So the salad bowl is where everybody stays as they are. Cucumbers, tomatoes, lettuce, <laughs> you know. So we, never, we are mixed together and we bring all the flavors together, but we can be a separate group. Versus United States model, which is a melting pot, we become one. We're all Americans ah. and our customs. and um, I like cheese and salad. I never so look at salad the same. same. Yeah, me either. <laughs> I, or, a, a, or a fondue, I, for that matter. So, yeah. <laughs> but it... But it here, like everybody, you know, if we integrate the students early on when they become, as you know, young people, they've really become an integral part of the society. Oh, and that's so really, important. Right. And so I think that that's something we can do um, and really help the community. because. And this year it was interesting to watch the H-1B cap. So we, as immigration lawyers and companies who applied for H-1B visa on behalf of the employees, we're starting to get the receipt notices. And it's really interesting to see the... Reallocation. So I think that, and it's my guess, that the immigration service went based on the industry codes and checked the right. industry codes. And so I'm seeing that all of my manufacturing companies got as many visas as they filed for. Oh, wow. And also the companies that did not have like professional like tax services or where it wasn't necessarily a third party placement, they all got receipt notices. I filed for a company that does microphones and like sound sound equipment basically that is used for um, um, phones and other equipment. It's mm-hmm. very, very popular field like, right now. And right. Car- Carnegie Mellon produces engineers like that. But this is a company in Los Angeles. We filed three petitions for Canadians. We got all three. All three, three out of three, 100%. That's what so I'm talking about. What le- we only have like a few minutes. I know we can talk longer. And we are having an opportunity to talk with Ellen Freeman about immigration and immigration reform and opportunities there. What about, why don't we just marry all these people? <laughs> we certainly still can. I um, had a great interview this morning with the marriage-based case with the couple. And, you know, our immigration services in Pittsburgh is really very, very friendly. We should probably sometime there bring in immigration There might be some, some lonely officer. techies out there that, you know, you make the right match. But I really encourage everyone to go to, uh, to, to uh, freemanimmigration.com because, I mean, you're so friendly. You're, you're there to help. And just have a question, connect with you. You know, like I said, I'm happy you're just there to... to answer any question people have and happy to educate and happy to provide more opportunities for Pittsburghers to learn about the immigrant professionals in our town and a way to keep them here. And I can't think of a better person to be doing that than you, Ellen. We're so glad to have you you stop by. Thank you so much for inviting me. Hey, we're taking a quick break. We're coming back with more Tech Vibe Radio. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. We're from the Pittsburgh Tech Council. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. Sometimes magic stuff happens, Audrey. The two companies come together. It's like this cool, like, symbiotic relationship. One helps the other, and great things happen. Yeah, it seems like a continuum, but I'm pretty, you know, interested to hear about what they're up to. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and we're going to start with... I'm Mark Mann from SDLC Partners. And I'm Rob Cost with Thematics Partners. Now, SDLC is absolutely, positively, no stranger to Tech Vibe Radio. And to the Tech Council. And to the Tech Council, We have a great executive, um, you know, committee member. 
of uh, Chris Simchak. Chris Simchak. He's very active with us. He's been on our board for about 10 years. Yes. He and makes he's just happen. become part of our executive committee. So we're pretty excited. Yes. It's good stuff. You so so sort of package this for us. Yeah. Package this for us. Set it up and tell us, Mark, what you know the relationship is and why people should pay attention to this relationship. Well, to begin with, let me just say that the differentiation that SDLC Partners has in the marketplace is we just don't build an IT solution. We build smarter solutions. We like to empower an organization to accelerate their performance. And as we do that, we like to look at the bigger picture. So with a partner, we'll quickly go to the question, why? And what that does is it ladders us up to strategy, their business strategy, the architecture of their business, and how they manifest that into customer solutions, their consumers' experience, better solutions, and um, products and services that they serve their clients with. As we look at packaging that up and asking that why, Mm -hmm. we're left with the question of, can we add on to our solution a company that that only delivers business strategy? And that's where we worked with thematics and joined forces. Like, I know a guy named Rob. He's got a company called Thematics. And so you that's met me. this yeah. guy named Rob. Yeah, so that's get, me. So, so, so Mark and I had actually met some, some time before that. Okay. And uh, Now, Thematics is uh, nowhere near as large as SDLC Partners. Or it's kind you, of a boutique you have, consultancy. You don't have 500 people working for you? We do not. Okay. We have five, as yeah. a matter of fact. Hey, it's scale of 100. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. No, that's exactly cool. Right. It's great when the small guy hangs out with the big guy. <clears throat> exactly right. So tell us how, how, how thematics works then as a, as a, as a boutique consultancy. Yeah. It's, it's five partners. Okay. Uh, we're all old people. Uh, five been around old for people. quite a while. Nothing We've wrong got with that. An ex, ex-IBM chief scientist. We've cool. got a, a, a uh, natural language uh, woman. Uh, we've got an ontologist on board. And we have someone Jeez. skilled in marketing. And, and for my part, I've been in business consulting for years and years. And, um, and so we, we come in, as Mark said, into a client at a fairly high level, uh, usually where someone <clears throat> either on the board or or uh, in the executive suite is contemplating some kind of strategic action. And the, and the real question and the bugaboo in all business is how does strategy ever get translated into implementation? I know. that's all. It's a big gulf out there where I know. you talk even, about, but how does it happen, right? Yeah, even right. us, like we just did a retreat and just focusing on talent. And so I spent some time synthesizing it and trying to figure out what are our priorities and our mm-hmm. strategy. But it's hard. Like, to even, as much as I've been doing it forever, it's hard to try to boil it down and figure out what programs am I going to slay? What am I going to develop? Where's the return? How much is it going to cost? Exactly. How do I scale it? How do I bring it to market? Right. So it's, those are the difficult questions. Mm-hmm. And those are the right questions yeah, to start I live to in ask. The, those difficult places. <laughs> <laughs> but those are the questions to start to ask. Why get left behind? Right. Why not address those larger questions? Today, uh, Gartner put out a uh, study with CIOs where 54% of CIOs are looking at digital tra- transformations. They're making it happen. But it also means that almost half of the organizations are not asking those very questions and that you just posed. think about that term. Digital transformation is pretty overused. Pretty broad, too, right? It yeah, is. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's become the, the sort of coinage of all the big consulting firms. Right. And, and, and what and does that mean? It means well, all the questions that I just asked, right? What it really means is not, is not digital. It's a business transformation right. that they're talking about, typically. 
So you look like you look at a firm like Uber, and they're a taxi company, but they don't own any taxi cars. Uh, you look at Netflix; they own no theaters, but they're the largest theatrical distribution. That's a business, Jonathan, and I want to get in. Yeah. We want right? to disrupt a business <laughs> for for and S- not own anything. Well, for exactly. for SDLC, it's also starting to ask the question of what is the art of the possible, right. and how do we I look like towards the best customer experience. Right. What is the best way to increase the customer satisfaction? Mm -hmm. And also, what's the best way to increase your employee satisfaction? And that will be a mindset change, a shift to the left. It is for all of us. Even when we think we're working and we're really like in the zone. Yes. It's everyone needs a reset. Mm. Right. And so asking those questions and laddering up to strategy and relooking at your business for not today, but for the future if you do not address that now, you will be left behind, and you will not have the differentiation vis-a-vis your competitors. And that, to me, is a failing. It's a loss. It is and a loss. You just don't want to be. And we're moving so fast now. Yeah, you don't want to be in that so crowd. So talk a little bit about SDLC and some of your market sectors. So one of the uh, biggest sectors that we're into is intelligent aut- automation. And with that is AI solutions but also one of the easiest services that is a building block to AI is RPA, is a robotic process automation. And and tell our listeners what that really is. Well, that's actually taking all the keystrokes and the clicks that are the mundane part of somebody's workload of forms that need to be filled out and giving it over to a bot, letting a bot behind the scenes do all that work, and that alone would, would allow you to free up a great worker in your environment so they can be deployed to higher level thinking, reinventing Solve your business. Solve tougher problems and stuff. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, get away from the peck, 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 enter, peck, 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 enter to actually being a contributing member at different levels they would never be at. So Absolutely. It's, it's reinventing your workforce, involving bots as part of that solution. And so that expansion allows you actually a huge cost savings. Some of the cost savings you see on the low side is three to one as a payback. Wow. We usually see about mm-hmm. 17 to one. 17 on to one. Yeah. It pays for itself within the same year. And then year over year after that, you have amazing cost savings. And that's all with using RPA. Yeah. Just to remind our listeners, we're talking to Mark Mann of SDLC Partners and Rob Koss of Thematics. And these guys are hanging out together, providing a continuum, as Audrey has dubbed it. I love that term for it. I think it's just perfect. Could you maybe run mm-hmm. us through a scenario as to how like, you would work with a client and it would pass through right. both of your organizations? Or like what people might be grappling with. Yeah. So what, which would compel them to, to reach out to you. Rob, would you want to maybe start with a retail uh, scenario with maybe yeah, sure. the returns, for example, and reinventing from a business strategy returns? Sure, sure, sure. So um, at, the, at the managerial level inside of a retailer, uh, the returns is a big concern, not only because it's an expense, uh, source of expense to the business, mm-hmm. but it's a competitive disadvantage against oh, Amazon. Oh, terrible, particularly so, on holiday times. Exactly. Oof. So it's become a, a, literally a strategic issue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the process in dealing at least at the very high level with strategic issues is to unpack them, to you know, keep peeling back the onion to understand, so what is it you're really trying to accomplish here? What are your objectives? And that those objectives can be decomposed and decomposed into finer and finer grain. But eventually you end up at a, at a boundary 
where you you ask yourself the question, so, okay, we want to decrease the cost of returns, and we want to increase customer satisfaction to reduce the number of concerns. Let's suppose those are the objectives. Well, where do we affect those changes in the business? How do they get translated into, you know, changes that have to occur in the business? To answer those questions, you really need a map of the business. Uh, you know, it's ironic that the last item in any business here to be systematized, schematized, subject to rigorous thinking is the business itself. IT knows about that. They've been doing this for years. They deal in the world of abstractions. But the business people are much messier thinking, thinkers. So the idea behind uh, the component of what we deliver called business architecture is to create this sort of systematic map okay. of how the business operates. So you give them this map, and then you go to SDLC to put those solutions onto the map to make that map function, right? Once, once we are able to articulate this map mm-hmm. and to say what about the business in with precision has to change, some of those things that change are actually technological implication in, in, in instantiations, let's say, gotcha. of things that were previously done by human beings, uh, capabilities that the business has that now are automated. And we can say, you know, we can hand off to Mark um, uh, functional specifications, you know, functional requirements, non-functional requirements, um, and a bunch of data schema and, and uh, process maps that allow the technologists now to take over and with fidelity deliver on the strategy even though they're working in Python code or Java code, um, what it is they're building, we we know and can monitor and can measure, uh, will reflect the strategy. So, and then when we would then take that as SDLC partners, and we then would build a smarter solution. We take the data, people, and the processes and redefine them in a way that it works better together and creates a smarter solution for a better out, out, output for the customer experience. Finding areas where, hey, RPA is going to work great right here. And you get returns yeah. down to a level that's easier for the customer and a lower cost for the business. Right. So, and cool less continue. people doing redundancies. Absolutely. Yeah. We'd put in AI and bots without a problem. That's what I love. Two companies coming together, solving super tough problems and getting solutions into play. You know, and I think that, that's that, that gap where you've got the architecture, but how do I actually make this work? SDLC comes and puts the solution to it. So mm-hmm. are you having fun? Yeah. This I'm, is yeah, I'm having a ball. <laughs> as as long as we can uh, work with cus- customers to create a better solution for right. them. Yeah. Wow, that's a and great you see day. It play and, day. and they're yeah, reporting these savings. The yeah. Absolutely. Smarter solutions going to work. That's really yeah. great. Guys, thanks that's for hanging great. out with thank us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Yeah, very, very cool. Appreciate stuff. it. Uh, that's why we do Tech Vibe Radio. Great stories like this. On a Friday night. And it's not easy to do that. We no. know just going oh, my our goodness. Own strategic yeah. plan. It's, it's like not easy. It's tricky stuff mm-hmm. all the way around. So, so glad okay. they got to hang out with us. Anyhow, next Friday, more Tech Vibe yeah. Radio coming right. your well, way. Thanks for joining yeah. in. Great, great stuff. This is Jonathan Kirshning. And this is Audrey Russo. From the Pittsburgh Technology Council. We love helping tech companies succeed, doing it since 1983. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. After that, one last order. Have an awesome weekend. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 